0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Fashion School Dropout Podcast. Today I'm here with style director of CBS's Watch Magazine, former fashion director of the Us Weekly Magazine, author of the incredible book, Secrets of Stylists, tastemaker, pop culture at oh. Stylist, and everything else in between, Miss Sasha Sharnan Morrison. Welcome, I'm so excited to have you on. Oh,
1: oh I'm so excited that you found me. So yeah this is this is uh launching into one of my first podcasts i feel like i'm entering <laughs> civilization civilization oh, oh my you
0: know? gosh no like i was just telling you what an honor it is to be speaking with you today because your book Aww. literally changed my life and i'm sure a Aww. whole generation of new stylists as well so First of all, thank you for all that you've done in that aspect. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> let's jump right in. As you probably know by now, I'm obsessed with your book. And I'd love to know what inspired you to create this blueprint, the secrets of stylists. Like, I don't know if you realize just how influential your book has been to so many of us. Like I posted a pic of it on Instagram last week mm. and I swear that was the most comments I've ever gotten. <laughs> everyone. Oh, that's no so good. great. Yeah. Like, everyone was commenting. It was actually to advertise the podcast and everyone was
1: like, Oh my God, I love <laughs> that book. That's so nice. really is nice. Yeah. And I'd love to know. Oh, I mean that comment, really the was the mission okay of this book because you know you can you can write books about anything and there some are some of them are going to land and mean something to somebody and some of them are not and I wanted to write a book I was was working as a fashion director at Us Weekly magazine and I was sitting around and a friend of mine called me through my husband's and said, I just got this book deal for this guy, and you have so many stories to tell, and I think that interesting book, so let's go meet an agent. I mean, I, I, the way that I'm laying it out for you is literally how it happened. There's, there is absolutely no rhyme or reason on like how this whole thing really came about. It really was just like these, the way that I'm explaining it. So, you know, so it's like, okay, let's meet an agent. So we met this guy, Jared, and he was my agent. And, We shopped me around as an interesting, I guess, person with this long career in fashion. And, you know, mostly it was show business, but it was really fashion, fashion editorial. And, you know, I'd worked at all these different magazines. And none of the ideas that we had really were were actually, none of them were really interesting. Well, you know, like everything that we were pitching to a book on scarves and, you know, it was so dumb. And, you know, so finally I met as a fluke, this publisher, Chronicle Books, Judy Warshaw as a last minute thing in New York. And she and I sat down, and we started talking and we were talking and nobody else had really wanted to take the time to just sit down have a coffee and just talk. And we started talking about what I do on a day-to-day basis. And at Us Weekly, I was talking to stylists every day. And, you know, this is really before Instagram. So you really have to, <laughs> what do you mean? There was a, you know, a world before Instagram. What are you talking about? So, um, yeah, And Exactly. <laughs> And we were talking about that Instagram and oh, sorry, well we we're talking about Instagram, but we were talking about how, what I do on a day to day basis, where, who the acts, the access to the people that I had through Us Weekly, that I was talking to stylists all the time and how did they get the looks and who were these people wearing? Cause you know, it wasn't ID'd anywhere. I mean, you know, we, we were really, you know, it was really like 1910, right? And so I'm talking about like 2009, 2010. So, so we came up with this idea to, and it really was like a, a collaborative discussion with my publisher, who, who eventually became my publisher, of what to do. And that a book about stylists and how to break into this world would be interesting. So she went back to San Francisco, researched it. She figured out that nothing existed. There was absolutely zero on how to get involved in the business, how to get yourself into it. So this is all true. Like literally three days later, a contract came through and to write this book. And I had no time. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, I saw 20,000, 30,000 words and I almost had a cow at that point and I had 150 images and, and here's, and here's the contract. And so I just, I signed it and so I had an outline and there were certain things that I needed to cover that, that the publisher wanted, uh, you know, about celebrities and how, how to dress them and all of this stuff. And then there were, there were chapters that we came up with that made sense that obviously didn't exist. So, you know, and then I, and then I sent the book in chunks and I interviewed, I did this all on my own pretty much with the exception of the photography Great photo editor, Jen Lasky who works at um, the Hollywood reporter now. And we sat and we, she negotiated these crazy deals for photos because you can't do a book without photography and you have, it really is like a pop-up book. You really need to show people pictures of things. Right. Um, yeah. So we talked about all of these pictures that we needed. And then I spoke to every person that I knew in my life and I said, can you take a picture for me? It, it, It has to be for free. I'm very sorry. You'll be published in a book. I promise I'm going to use it. You know, it was really, you know, beggars can't be choosers. I mean, it was really, it was a real struggle for that, but it was fun. And I had all these pictures taken of stuff and prop kits and clothing racks and whatnot. And I worked with a designer who was in San Francisco. I was in New York. I said, just make sure that all the colors in the book look like Hermes. Okay, just make sure that they look as bright as like Hermes orange. So the first book came and it was all orange. And I said, okay, I meant the vibrancy of Hermes and the color of the box. So it could be blue, it could be pink, it could be, you know, whatever. And so she did it. And and then there were several different covers which can send you images of for your for your Instagram page was really funny and none of them worked. None of them worked. And I was lucky to be able to have an opinion about it because that doesn't happen often. But you know, everything about this was like, there was, there were no rules when I was doing any of this. So I just said, Oh, I don't want this cover. I want this cover. And, and then we finally settled on what actually became the cover, which I'm very grateful for. Iconic. Um, and uh, thank y'all. And we realized that pink would sit nicely with all the books that are on Amazon. So we did a little research because, of course, initially I was like, oh, I want it to be beige or, you know, whatever. I mean, really crazy. It needs to be beige. You know, I want it to be really chic and elegant like a Chanel shoe. And she said no and <laughs> did some research And showed me that, in fact, that was a really bad idea. And unless I was making coasters or something for the book, you know, (laughs) that's the only way that it could have worked. But um, don't ask me for that. (laughs) Right, 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 exactly. And um, actually, the inside cover is the way that I wanted it, but it never would have worked. Anyway, so then this happened. And, yeah, and that's really, you know, that's really how it all evolved and became. So
0: so you briefly touched on social media for a bit, and I kind of want to piggyback off of that. So when the book came Mm -hmm. out, of course, this was before Instagram Mm -hmm. and social media really blew up Mm -hmm. and unveiled the reality of the behind the scenes of the industry. Like there was a time when people didn't even know. I mean, some people still don't know what a stylist is, but now so... People know what to expect. So did you receive any backlash from anyone in the industry who thought you were
1: revealing too much? No. As a matter of fact, they felt like I wasn't revealing enough. And that, you know, now rethinking the whole book because I'm rethinking it and I'm going to, I think, do it as an app. So you'll have moving pictures and video and whatnot. You know, I think that they love the fact that, like recently I just worked with this great girl, Mauricia, who said to me, you know, I was reading it and it was exactly what I was going through at this moment, right at this moment, and you just got me through it. And I realized that there's going to be some like light at the end of the tunnel. I think there was enough to get you started and people were just saying, really wanted even more. Even more the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, there's a lot of ugly in there because it you know how everybody says, oh, it's not glamorous, and it's really glamorous, you know. <laughs> it's not like we're, you know, delivering pies. I and mean, not that <laughs> anything's wrong with delivering pies, but look what we're doing. I mean, I always say it's like, look what you are doing. You are working with clothing that changes constantly and gives you the joy of life and you're working with the client that either you're going to be working with hopefully for a while that you just you can just do the job and walk off and say goodbye i mean look what you're doing and you it's it it is glamorous and it's just very see the words get really confused it's very demanding and that's different than than the word challenging or you know you really it's it's very demanding but you're always back on monday ready to go through it all over again so because you love it absolutely so that's
0: actually yes. surprising because it's no secret that the fashion industry tends to be very secretive when it comes yes. to how do i get in or how do i
1: get my foot in the door so right well yeah. you know but something needs to be said about that because in a way when you're in it, you don't really want everybody to know exactly how it happens because you have to – there also needs to be some magic. You know, there needs to be – doesn't all have to be so raw and real that you have to know – I want to know every single thing. But there has to be some magic there. So sometimes I don't like it when I've been in jobs where – the rest of the people that I worked with understood exactly what it was that I was doing. A lot of people in fashion cannot explain what fashion people do. And I say, good, because once people, just because you wear clothes doesn't mean that you know fashion, okay? I mean, that is, somebody, my the former fact. boss, Paul, that's a fact, and it's like, just because you wear clothes doesn't make you an expert. These, These jobs are, they should be secretive because as I said, as fun as it is to know about the tape and the clamps and the sewing and the tailors and the whatnot that goes on behind the scenes, it's also nice to have like a really beautiful body of work and something that you just kind of, it's like a magician. You don't need to really expose all of your secrets. And I just like to have what I do is what I do. And you don't need to know everything because I don't want to hear your opinion. I mean, I do, but I don't.
0: (laughs) That part. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How would you say the industry is different now than when you first started and when you wrote the book?
1: We didn't really have this kind of access that we do now. And the people that are doing the jobs also, if not profit from doing this as they should, they weren't as exposed and didn't have careers that were listed as careers. These were just people behind the scenes. And, and again, it was like a, it was a magical time, but now, you know, everybody is, everybody's a star and everybody's doing their thing, but giving uh, everyone a, a dose of the VIP treatment. I think it's, ex, I think it's exciting. I, you know, I don't poo poo any of this. I think, again, it's an industry that constantly evolves and changes and that's what makes it, that's what makes you come back for more and, and makes it fun. And, you know, and again, makes you, it gives you a story to have like a really good drink after a day's work. <laughs> and talk always. about um always and, story and for days <laughs> for years for <Okay>. years <laughs> um but yeah yeah and, and and it's changed a lot for the good the one thing that's hard when you have been in it for so long cuz i'm you know it's been like almost like 30 well 30 years as a you know being employed and then my entire life being in is how with change, a lot of things have ended. So in terms of, you know, magazines are ending. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to completely finish. I think everything needed to be, there were, there were too many magazines. None of them had point of views. They were all the same. So I think the industry had to kind of weed itself out. And I think eventually the niche media, the, the publications will come back or stay. But a lot of the most talented people who are my mentors and, you know, people who are doing the most extraordinary work aren't working right now because of, because of the fact that they don't have it, they didn't have a net to fall into when, when this part of, you know, magazines just completely fell apart um, and then also refused or didn't stand the new medium, and the the big challenge because I always talk about challenges, just you know how to keep yourself relevant, and a lot of people don't have the energy because we're old people. <laughs> you know it's hard when you're older, and then you're two things you're told you know you have to think like it's 1910 and you have to start all over again and then you have people you know on the other side trying to motivate you and say oh you should have some energy here you know you like have an energy drink and keep going fight the fight and it's like shut up i've already you know it's like too much <laughs> yeah it is too much it is too much so you know all of that has happened since i since the book has come out and you know and then as i said you know to have this book it, published in the Library of Congress, you know, just like, just it uh, personally for me, really, you know, I was like a really dumb student. I could care less about whatever. I mean, I met my husband in high school. And that's all. He was the only thing I cared about. And I was just like, this is so dumb. I'm going to be in fashion. I don't need this. I don't need calculus and I don't need this. That's yes, like me. And, um, <laughs> right. And then I went to NYU and, you know, I did what I needed to do. I got my degree. I was in show business. I got my degree and I said, oh, just give me a job in, in magazines. I just want to work. And so I went to this one place called Beauty Digest first. And then I went to Vanity Fair and I, um, to be a dummy, you know, a lovable dummy in school and to have this thing published. And as I said, in the Library of Congress, is really just crazy. Yeah,
0: talk about a look at me now moment. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but
1: exactly. it was funny because let me tell you when the, you know, so they were like, we know she's really bright, but she really, you know, she's not applying herself. Which sounds like, you know, 99% of the creative people in general, right? right. School it's cool. And, uh, but you know, like one of my, one, I think it was my high school said, you know, but she's got a great locker. Cause I used to, I used to decorate my, <laughs> I used to decorate my locker and it was cool. So obviously, you know, um, you had some things going for you. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Something, something was going to, something was going to happen. Either, it was either in to car. Yeah, I was either gonna customize lockers or <laughs> do whatever it is. Do whatever it is I'm doing now, you know. But it's changed anyway. Blah 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 blah. It's changed mm-hmm. a lot, and um, all all for the good. And uh, you just have to just keep rolling with it because it's, that's what it's all about. I just wish I had a little bit more energy for mm-hmm. all of the things that I. It's very hard to focus. I I find that. Um, with everything that's being thrown at everybody it's a, a lot to ask everybody to focus there's yeah. so so much saying it's
0: a lot to keep up with as well because um you mentioned yes. something really yes. interesting <clears throat> um people who used to work particularly in the magazine space and just having to keep up with the industry which moves fast in general but now you know, with social media you kinda have to have this personal brand on all the time and it's it's like a job in itself to maintain that as well as your career and so it it's, yes. it's a lot to say
1: the least. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, I
1: think all around, you know, like everybody's expected to just do so much and I think you gotta cut yourself a break every once in a while because you know, I don't see it slowing down, mm-hmm. but I just see that you have to just kind of, you have to focus on what's going to be important to you. You really have to be pleased with what it is that you, you really do sometimes have to make that list of things. Like this book for me, that was on the list. And you, it's, it's just hard. It's hard. But again, it, it's also fun. You ha- it, the second that you don't think the fashion is fun uh, is really maybe the time when you then say, all right, you know, if this is giving me ulcers, then yeah. I have to, yeah, seriously, I have to, get get to let here. it. Yeah, because then it's taking you to a whole, other, a whole other place and you have to realize that, you know, you've gotten to a point where you have to cut the ties because it should be fun.
0: Yeah. I mean, as crazy as it is, it should be fun. I totally agree because at the end of the day, it's our choice to work in this industry and we're very blessed to be able to do what we love. So if it's right. stressing you out that right. much, it might be time to find a, another career path.
1: <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. And a little bit, and you know, and that's okay. It's okay. It's all okay. It all works itself out. That's another thing that happens when you get older you realize you know you're making yourself crazy over that person you know come on come on you know it's all gonna be okay so true
0: because so many of us dream of working for fashion in fashion all of our lives and some people they find out it's not what they expect it to be like one of my closest friends we both majored in fashion design together long story short she was actually one of the first ones to get a really good job when we graduated, and it was just a nightmare for her, and now she's working at NASA. Mm. So <laughs> she got out at of NASA. It. Yes, Like she went back to school, is she
1: designing all that NASA oh. stuff that I <laughs> that I've been buying at Urban Outfitters? <laughs> and my boys, all NASA T-shirts. No, she wants. is like, NASA, NASA everywhere? <laughs> um. Well, now she's doing. So- now she's doing something important. Yeah. Like that's important. Sixteen, like, really important. Sixteen. Yeah. I'm just gonna sit back. <laughs>
0: but um what you were saying earlier about the magazine space, I kind of want to <laughs> get back into that because I saw that you just wrapped up nine years of being the fashion director of Us Weekly, and now you're serving as style director of CBS's Watch Magazine. And I know a ton of our listeners dream of working for magazines. Can you walk us through a day in the life of those Mm -hmm. roles? Like what are some of your responsibilities and how does it differ from the role of a stylist? Because I imagine it's more of like on the editing side.
1: Yeah. Okay. Usually in magazines, when the jobs do come open there, you know, it's highly competitive and it's really hard to get in when you do get in. And it's usually literally a fluke. Um, luck, there's no math to get you to figure out how to do it. You just you just have to be persistent. You get in you get in before the boss gets there. I mean I, there's all this talk about people who arrive like at 10 a.m and I, I've never known in my lifetime to get in at the same time that my boss gets in. You get in early you have to make sure that your day is like set. And now that means making sure that your, you know, your computer's up, that you've answered emails because, you know, the problem with, with emails now is that we used to do everything by fax. So we used to send these or telex. So we used to send these things with pictures and drawings and illustrations, and then you would have to wait. You wouldn't have email. But now email, you know, it's hard because you, you have an open conversation that never ends. So, there's no closure unless somebody tells you that you can't get any samples or something, then that's closure. But you know, um, is it really so you're getting in the morning? Yeah. It's really annoying. Yeah. That really, that's okay. Well, I'll get to that part, but, um, you get in, you get yourself prepped for the day. You make sure you're very hydrated. You answer all your calls and your emails, your boss comes in and you talk about what it is that you got to do. Um, and usually what happens is a magazine is that you either work at a, you know, 12 months, 12 issues a year and you're, uh, three to four months in advance, you're working on an issue. So you're not in the right time period. Stuff that's going to be in the magazine is not going to be available now. Magazine, Not online, in a magazine. It's not going to be available to buy now. It'll be available when the magazine prints, which is three to four months from the time that you're... That's why everybody has to show their collections six months in advance. A, it takes that long to produce them, and B, everything has to get bought, sold in the magazines. It's it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. You're work, you never know what season you're in in your life. That's why everybody wears black pretty much because it's just like you know, it doesn't, I mean, I, you know, I just want to blend in. I want to just like get my job done and I can't think about trends. I need to just be able to work. You know what I mean? Right. So nothing has any date on it, you know? So we sit down and we, uh, and we figure out what the stories are going to be. So, and you're looking at anywhere from, so if you have a magazine, you have a cover you have cover tries which are covers that you on a celebrity or a model or whatever that you have to plan for that usually come out of a story that goes into the same magazine then you also have what's called the front of book and the front of book is you know all those fashion stories and beauty stories that they do in the front part of the magazine is called front of book um and then you figure out what's that
0: as I'm taking my
1: notes right now, as you see. Oh, <laughs> so um, you know, and this goes also for like catalog magazines. So if you go on Net-a-Porter or uh, Matches or online or uh, ASOS or you know, it's set up. It's it's set up in the same structure when they do their magazine things. So then you have your little stories in the front, which are you know, trends, small trend stories. So if it's, uh, you know, turquoise, turquoise. So you get your people together who handle all the different, so you you have all these people, they're designated areas of fashion. So, and then there's a person that handles denim. And then there's a person that handles outerwear. And then there's a person that handles athletic, athleisure and swimwear and it used to be several people. Now I think it's whittled down to just a, a, a few people and you sit down and you have these meetings and you're going to, so you ask all those people to like, let's get all the turquoise in. So you have to edit who you think is going to be, is going to be interesting. And then for the story, And then you set a time when they can come in. So you give yourself three or four days or you give yourself a few weeks or whatever the hell, you know, the, the, the breakdown is because you come up with all these things. One stuff has to be in, et cetera, et cetera. And then, um, so you organize all that. You put all the requests in, you send them to designers or people that you see on Etsy or, people that you find on Instagram and you give them all the details. Hopefully you have a FedEx account or UPS or something. So you can get the stuff in because everybody loves that, that you're paying for that. Um, Usually the magazines have that. Sometimes they don't, but that's how you get the stuff in. And then you got to organize everything and then you have to have, you know, the hangers in a certain way and this, that, and the other thing in a certain way because stylists like things in a certain way. Like my one boss at Harper's Bazaar only wanted clear hangers. And when we would do these boards that had pictures of what we needed from, you know, all the markets and, and all the designers the push pins into the boards had to be clear. <laughs> no way, <laughs> Way. And it's strange, but it makes sense. It's just the way that it was good. So Now I can't do anything without clear push pins. And if I see a color, I get crazy. Oh. And we change all the hangers, we change all the hangers, take all the hangers off, put the clear pla, and it has to go a certain way. Of course, um, mm-hmm. because it has to be organized. Mm-hmm. And that's like a really big thing to uh, to really master is to not be so scattered and to organize everything and get it together. And then, you know, once you figure out your the dates and the run through, and then you set a run through and that's when everything comes together and you look at everything and then and then it all gets packed up and it goes to a photo shoot. The other thing that happens now is that a lot of photo shoots don't happen for products stuff. So a lot of the companies like Gucci and uh, Yves Saint Laurent and um, Chanel, Prada, all of them, they take their own images, and you can get a high res, which is like a really you know big image, so that you can reprint it either for digital or for print. So essentially they're taking the picture for you. You use their photography and you don't have to call in anything except for PDFs and JPEGs, uh, which are pictures that they take of their items. And then that happens. And then, and then the day goes on and then you, and then it's almost at the end of the day and you just have to make sure that you're kind of organized and you took care of everything and you got in touch with people and took care of the people that you needed to take care of and And then get it ready for the next day and expect, you know, like 50 emails between the time you leave your office, the time you get home, and then the time that you wake up in the morning. (laughs) So intense. I know. It's crazy. But, you know, you love it. And then when you get, and then you get used to it. And then you train people to understand how this works and how to do it. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's for magazines, so I hope I answered that part of that for you. You definitely
0: did. So there, you guys <laughs> have it, aspiring fashion <laughs> editors. That's what you can expect in your future roles. So, yes. you briefly touched just casually in the fact that you've done work for Harper's Bazaar and Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. You know, just casually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How does yeah. one, I mean, you've done Allure, L, Harvard's Bazaar, 17, like the list goes on. Yes. Yeah. And your resume is what every aspiring stylist dreams of achieving. So, can you tell us how do you get into these prestigious rooms? Like, just, I don't even. Into the, into the jobs? Yeah, like how does one get okay. approached by Harper's Bazaar? You know, just asking for a friend. Oh,
1: <laughs> oh, well, that's actually funny. Actually, it's kind of not funny, and then it's funny because it's funny now, haha. But what actually happened was, you could, none of these stories are ever, you know, they're always dramatic. Okay, so you know, you work your way up. So I started as an as an assistant to an assistant, and then the next job came, and then I took that, and blah, blah, blah. And I had, I was at Seventeen Magazine. And I was having a really good time. I really loved it. It was one of my favorite jobs of my entire life because it was the first time that I learned that people other than myself that read the map that were the readers of the magazine were more important than myself. <laughs> I mean you know you got to realize you're doing it for someone, and it really that's the one thing sometimes I have an issue with with the new with with, with a lot of stuff with influencers but um, in that world of the magazines, you're doing it for someone, right? You're getting them this information. So I learned how to, you know, be more about them. And so all of my edits and everything was about our readers. Um, and then I felt, I just kind of, I was, I was kind of growing out of it a little bit. I wanted to go into high fashion and I didn't really know how. But I got, you know, I, I was at this Cartier, it's so crazy. I was at this Cartier event, <laughs> you know, because you got to go to these things, these parties that they throw and you network. And I networked and these two people that I knew were working at L, and they asked me if I would ever consider going to L. And that's a huge leap from working at a teenage magazine to going to high fashion and sometimes there are things that happen for a reason and sometimes you even if you're kind of not interested you should always take an interview because you got to meet other people and you got to see if something sparks a fire in you you just never Um, know right as 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 and don't ever get comfortable because once you get comfortable then you end up getting fired and then it sucks Unless you get some kind of benefit package, but you know, it's like, no, seriously, uh, don't ever quit. Don't ever quit. You guys hear that? Make sure that you have a, yes. As bad as things can be, you got to hold out, make sure that you're okay first. Okay. So I just want to make sure that everybody gets that little message. Um, Yeah. You know, so anyway, this was an opportunity that I thought I need to, I need to take it. And I uh, was very green at my negotiation, but I worked out this great negotiation to leave my, my lovely job. But I knew in order to advance myself in what I ultimately, whatever the ultimate was, to, which was to go to high fashion, I needed to make the jump. So I left... And I started there. And so to, this is the dramatic, I can't, it's all dramatic, but this was the real dramatic part. Um, I got a call while I was at L and I'd only been there for a month and a half. And you have to understand that back in those days, because we're talking about a really long time ago, you're really, really uh, worried about your reputation. I mean, you should always be worried about your reputation in business. Uh, it doesn't, it, it it's a different worrying. Like I thought I would never, if, if I left or did something that was uncool, I would never work again. I, I've always had a little bit of that mentality in me. So yes, it's like I'm always on my toes and I'm always in a, in a state of a little bit of a, you know, panic I don't want to get too comfortable. So, but I was only there for a month and a half and I got a call to go to Harper's Bazaar because the job that I'm doing at L, which by the way, I wasn't, you know, I had just got there. I really didn't know exactly what I was doing. I mean, I had an eye for it, but I really didn't know what I was doing. That call came in for this job that I really wanted. I really wanted to work at Harper's Bazaar. I mean, who who wouldn't, right? And and so I was really torn. I had, you know, I didn't wanna I didn't want to ruin my life, but I was hesitant. And then, you know, the drama, I got into some like crazy car accident with my husband. We were fine. But right then I said, okay, I'm going. Uh, that's the <laughs> I, yeah. I go in the bazaar. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. Cause that was like pretty close to bad. So I, um, so I took it and here's the funny thing, you know, and everything had pretty much worked out the way that I needed it to. And, you know, I, I negotiated. You have to negotiate these things. You know, you got to negotiate your salary, which is really annoying because, you know, you have to ask for what you want. And when you ask for a certain amount, you have to make sure that whatever it is doesn't set you into, like, a bunch of giggles. <laughs> mm. Like, if you want a certain amount, just make sure that it's feasible In and life. not make sure. Yeah, you can't just start laughing that you're asking for it because then people know that you're, right, a big liar. <laughs> um, it's true, though. And uh, then I had to negotiate my vacation because I like to stiff you a lot because that's just not, you know, you really need to take some time off. Like, vacation is meant because you are stressed and you need that time off, even if you stay home. You need to make sure that you're okay there. Yeah, so all this stuff. Because then you, you know, then you live these jobs. You are living there more hours than you are at home. So with, so with all that, I got, I got that job. And I stayed there for five years. My editor, who was this incredible woman, named Liz Tilveris, who we loved, while she was working there, she passed away from Ovarian cancer. Cancer, which was like,
0: Aww.
1: I yeah, I'd never. There are jobs that are emotional, and then there are jobs that are jobs. Mm-hmm. And this one was just like it, it was devastating. And I'd never experienced anything like that before and, and since, thank God, with anybody I'd worked with. But um, so that ended that moment. And I'm so grateful that I made that jump because those were the greatest creative you know the greatest creative moments working with the most incredibly talented people that I I I don't know if I would have really worked with as much talent being there anywhere else so it it was really it was really incredible and um Yeah. And, you know, the people that like the photographers were all these new photographers who then went on to these great things and, you know, stylists who were incredible and, you know, just so inspiring. And what I what I learned from from then on is that whatever else I took on, I had to really make sure that I worked with people who inspired me me and maybe when I want to go to work and you know some of those people it'll never be what that was but it is definitely a bit of a um a, a, a way to think about what it is when you're you know thinking about your next steps and I would say that forever is interested in something like that you just every day it's a struggle and you just have to hustle and you just got to you know, somehow it's going to happen. You'll make it happen. You don't have to go through all the things that I went through, but, you know, <laughs> A, it makes a great story. B, it makes it all, all the more uh, in this business. So that's really the, that, that's really, it's just, it's just a, lot of, uh, a lot of timing, luck, being in the right place and being persistent and being persistent and taking risks when when you think that you need to be safe but i want to just say that that doesn't mean that you are disrespectful or that you don't listen but you have to you have to take risks because you have to elevate yourself and do things and get out of your comfort zone and because it's one life baby, and you and you really have to you know you really have to um we don't get many chances, so you know that that was really important wow yeah, to go through all that, and you know as i said i don't i don't I don't wish that on anybody, but all these stories i mean you could talk to anybody else who is in the business like this, and they all we all have similar similar stories that are very dramatic about how we got to where we are.
0: And Um, you just had one incredible career. Like I can listen to all of your stories (laughs) and I would love to, but I want to get to what you're doing now. You mentioned briefly that you are working on an app
1: inspired by your book. So one of the great things about the book is the size of it, but it's really heavy (laughs) and it's not, you know, it's, as I said, I'm glad it exists, but I need to modernize it. So one thing I want to be able to do is to, um, is to repurpose the entire thing as an app so that you can have it on your phone and that it lives there and not only does it live there, but it, it it's in video. It's in the voice of the the people that I wrote about about stylists. So you can make some kind of connection. Um, I want to be able to just be able to, so that you can always instead of having the book in your hand and having to pull it out of your bag and whatever, you can have it at home. Because I'm I'm also gonna I also want to change it a little bit and and add things. I mean, you really got me going, um, trying to figure out what's wrong, you know, what, what needs to be updated, which is about 99% of it. But um, I mean, the core of it will stay the same, but I want it to be able to live with you when you need to just, you know, whip it out of your bag and it's on your phone. And to be able to have a dialogue and to be able to speak to everybody and. You know, to hear what people say and what they want to see and get it a little bit more inclusive. I mean, now I have all of these, you know, you and just all these great people calling and being very supportive and giving me, you know, testimonials that I can use that are more important than some of the people that are quoted on the back of the book. Just making it more accessible. And, uh, if you need to figure out, you know, what do I need for my prop kit now, instead of having to go to page, whatever the hell it is, you know, 99 or whatever, <laughs> to be able to call up, yeah, to call <laughs> up a video and go, you know, go see what the prop kit that Tommy from Manhattan, a wardrobe company who actually was quoted in here or has his stuff in here. You know, it, it, I want him to pack a kit and to show, you know, what the essentials are, but you need to, you need to see it. You need to hear it. You need to see it in motion. It needs to be three minutes tops, tops, and then get all of these people involved in it. And I'm very excited about it because it will live on. I just wanted to continue to, you know, be helpful to someone who doesn't have the means or the, or any idea on how to get, Motivated. Wow, that's so
0: exciting! Like I'm excited. It's like (laughs) having a handheld mentor in your back pocket, basically. There you go. There you go. There's a little buzzword,
1: buzz phrase for you. You
0: quote me on that. (laughs) I will. I will. I will. (laughs) Wow, that's so cool, though. So when can we expect it? Is it still in the development
1: stages, or it's in the it's in the development stages? There are things that are being piled now onto this thing called this OTT channel that I'm working on with my husband. OTT will be your next, when everything else kind of fizzles out, fizzes, fizzles, whatever. OTT is the new, this over the top thing where you have your own channel. It's, um, it's like your own network and everybody's going to start doing this. And it would be great for everybody to know the words OTT, which is very easy to remember. And all you have to do is just mention it to somebody and just kind of, you know, brush it off and just say, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm doing an OTT channel. People think you're the smartest person in the room because you're so advanced. But it's really like an extension from YouTube and you're doing an extension from a network and you're doing your own and it's your own owned stuff. Um, all of your stuff gets piled onto your channel and you're able to produce your own content. You don't have to worry about people barking orders at you, advertisers, money people, whatever. You will start doing, this is the new thing. So in addition to the app, we're gonna be working on the channel and those two things will go hand in hand. So the content that's on the app will also be on the channel and you know, I'm not, people always say to me, Oh, you know, you should have your own show. And it's like, well, I kind of have, you know, my, my stream of consciousness is on uh, Instagram every day. And that's my show because I don't want to be, you know, I, I was in show business and I auditioned all the time and it was really boring. And I, I, for me, and, um, cause that's, you know, my family, that, that's the background. And I kind of, um, I kind of feel like I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to sit around and wait for some network to tell me whether or not my show is good enough. Mm. You know, I'm going to do it myself. So, you know, that's the other thing. It's like, if anything taught anything in my career, if this is, you know, what I've learned is that the person that can make it happen for you is yourself. You can blame the world for what's not happening. And that, you know, gets stale and boring and tired and whatever. But if you make it happen, then A, at least you tried and B, you're, or you're doing it, you know, and you don't have to wait around any. The, the What the internet has done is the world has become, it's all up to you and you can do whatever you want, however you want it, you know, when you feel it what you want to post what you want to do and you don't have to wait on anyone anymore. Um, but you have to do it. You know, you, you you have to do it yourself and, um, it's it's gratifying. Right. It's, and you know, you know, because of what you're doing, it's like, you know, it's totally gratifying. You're very alone. I won't lie. You're very alone. Nobody will understand, which is also, as I said in the beginning, okay. I don't want anybody to understand too much. You know, you're just doing what you're doing because what you love. And 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 that's uh, that's the you know, that's the ultimate, that's the goal. And a lot of that is gonna be a, a lot of stuff that I could not do, not because anybody told me that I couldn't do it, but you know, a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do that I wasn't able to put into the book, I'm gonna be able to do on the channel and I'm gonna be able to do on the app.
0: I'm so excited. I'm I'm really looking forward to this because I feel like there's just never enough resources
1: like out there for us. Well, I think the other thing is that you you need to also trust, Mm -hmm. you know, that whoever it is, that's telling you whatever they're telling you, you need to trust that person. And that's what was very important, you know, in the book that we got, all the a-list people who you know had this body of work to show that they are trustworthy of of being included and then um making it so that you would feel confident that whatever was that i was giving you was top drawer so you know that's that's uh that's important yeah, well, we'll definitely
0: keep our eye out for OTT in the app. Yes, um, but last but not least, I want to circle back um, around to the actual book. What would your number one piece of advice be to aspiring stylists today?
1: Advice is now. never. Yeah, yeah. Advice is never giving up on your on what you think is ultimate, you know trying never to give up on what your ultimate goal is. Try to keep focused as best you can. And as I said, it's very hard, but you know, try to keep focused, listen. You don't know everything. You really don't. And the whole point is that you are always learning. You know, you're, you're, you're never above what you think. You never have a handle on it. It, There's always something that you can learn. I find every day, I learned something new every day like today this podcast like the first time I've done this and it was I was so excited because it was just a new thing and you know now I can say I have one and I don't need a hundred things I just need one I need it under my belt I need to you know do that and I feel like uh you know I'm constantly learning about all of this other stuff and and you just never, don't ever shut yourself down and think that you know everything, that you know it all. You have to be a sponge. You don't have to do the, you don't have to work for Beyonce or for Cher or for Madonna or, it doesn't always have to be the top, 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 top. You know, that can come, but doing all these other jobs, again, you're learning how to get to that point. And the more that you can, you know, a lot of people had said to me in the beginning about the book, you know, I I come from a small town and I thought, well, what does that mean? (laughs) I mean, I come from a big town, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, be able to get a job right away. Right. I mean, there's so many different in fashion. There's so many different jobs. So, it's not just magazines it's it's wardrobe styling for television shows it's commercials it's advertising for beauty companies it's actively pursuing people like my other new my other thing is to look at another thing of advice is to look at what other people are like where is all of the interesting stuff happening right now love it or hate it my big thing there are two places Washington because I'm looking I'm watching MSNBC every day and um and what do I think about I don't really think I don't focus so much on what they're saying I'm just looking at the fact that Casey Hunt on MSNBC has to wear a new outfit every single day and I'm thinking you know somebody should call her you know, whoever it is, J. Crew, all these companies that you know are, are complaining about whatever it is that's not happening. You know, they should sponsor these women. And as a stylist, you could become that person if you set your mind to it. You're like, well, you know, I could actually make this connection, and I can reach out to this person because they're on social media. And you just have to keep you just have to keep sending messages, and that's up to you. But you know, think about where the hot spots are. Right. Those people would love to be sponsored by somebody because they have to buy all of that stuff. You know, and then somebody's going to write something on the Daily Mail that they've worn that outfit like six times, you know? And then, I swear to God, it's so, it's so crazy. But, you know, if you don't, it, you think, you have to think about, you know, other avenues around what it is that we're doing. And then my other favorite thing, and, you know, I'm working on, on, on this with CBS is, um, sports, you know, because I love that, you know, I'm looking at the NFL, the NBA and hockey. These guys are dressed to the nines. I mean, I have never seen so much fashion in my life. You know, the NBA draft was like completely off the hook. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. On point. And, right? And I'm like, my God, look what's going on. And then, you know, and then I'm looking at what Rachel Johnson's doing. And just, you know, like Dex Robinson, like all these people. And, you know, they're styling. Oh, and here's the thing that makes me the most crazy, okay? These guys that are wearing the clothes, right? the Tom that they were in fear of God, Tom Brown, Dries van Noten, whatever the hell they love it. Okay. They see, he loves it too. They, they love it. They love, Hey, they love the clothes. They absolutely love the clothes and they buy it. They buy those clothes. You know, they don't get loaned a lot of stuff, right? They buy these things. They're laying out this money. I mean, yeah, they have it. But they're laying out money for these clothes. And, you know, they have tailors. And then I love the fact that they're so tall that a lot of the pants, I think, are short because they're so tall. But then they kind of turn that into a thing. Mm -hmm. It's a look now. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, they tried it on the runway, you know, and they all look like dorks on the <laughs> runway. You know what I mean? Like some of the stuff, it's like the pants were so short and they kind of look dorky. But then, you know, I see LeBron and I'm like, Jesus, look how great that is. Or Dwayne and Wade, you know, I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, oh my God. And so, I mean,
0: in general, notice that men are becoming more interested in fashion, like there's yes. many fashion week now. And I, I love it. They're expressing yes. themselves and just being really open with, you know, being creative. With yes. Fashion.
1: Yes. And I remember my boys telling me really that it was like Russell Westbrook. And they said, look, this guy, he goes to these, you know, these meetings and it doesn't look like he has just played like an incredible game. He's wearing these glasses and he wears this like really, these really cool shirts and, He's getting dressed for the press conferences. So then suddenly, you know, I'm starting to look at it and and I'm like, my God, you're absolutely right. So my point is, is that from an advice standpoint, you know, going to where, you know, where's the action? If it feels like it's dying out in one area, it is definitely a hot, you know, like a hot pot somewhere. And you got to find, you got to find where the action is. And I think it's
0: got to keep your eyes open.
1: Yeah. You can look in your own backyard and then you can also, you know, just look at what's topical mm-hmm. and figure out a way. And, and as I said, the, the greatest thing about the internet is that everybody's accessible now and you just have to make it your, your mission to make sure that they get the message and, if they don't get the message, move on to the next person. But, you know, everybody wants to be glamorous. Everybody wants to be glamorous if they're in the public eye or even if they have to go to an event or whatever. You always want to look good. And I think that I, mean, I see it on the street. I see, it, I see it everywhere. So there are definitely major opportunities. You just have to sit down. And think about what those opportunities could be and how you fit in and be persistent and be yes. persistent, you know, that part. And because
0: I just, to, um am sorry if I may add, I find that a lot of people, if you email, you know, they send an email once and they don't hear back, they just give up. But you have mm-hmm. to follow up. And, you know, of course, don't email a person every single day for two weeks. But right. you know, be consistent with your follow-up and let them know that you're still interested. Because people get busy and
1: miss emails sometimes. And Yes. And don't send war and peace. You know, you don't have to send a lengthy uh, dissertation about your life. You got to make it short because nobody... <laughs> You know, really it's like cares. nobody's reading <laughs> and nobody cares. You know, they still got to get dressed, but nobody can. You know, you really got to make it short and you got to sell yourself. You know, and because you know what? Because somebody's right behind you. Mm-hmm. Also, whatever email you send, send it at like 10 a.m. Don't send it the night before. Um, you know, don't send it when it's going to be piled in a. You want to be the top email, okay? So make sure that you time out your, your emails when people walk into the office and then you could be at the top. Don't let it get buried. One of the things, or actually two things that are so important now when you're styling celebrities that, I've, that I insist on uh, having been on several shoots is to make sure that you have a DJ. And you have a DJ, we, when I was working at Us Weekly, we had a DJ for a Jennifer Lopez shoot and we had the music Um, starting when she walked in and it went through the shoot to the end when she left. And so continuous music, and it was all tailor made for her because we asked what she wanted to hear. And I, and I even think that we got suggestions of who the DJ was supposed to be and it was in LA. So it was a little bit easier because we were in a town where we could find people who, you know, are just more accommodating for celebrities and shoots. So that has become extremely important because music just kind of, and if it's something that you like, just loosens up your person that you're working with. So, you know, you could be saying something like, oh, the M's too long or whatever, and nobody, you know, they won't listen. They'll just be focused on the music, and then you can do whatever you need to do. Um, The second thing that I've noticed that's so, so important is that when you borrow – clothing that you get from designers if you're you know or even when you get it from a store nothing fits a celebrity because the clothing from the runway was specifically modeled on the person that wore the outfit so you could be on a shoot and you really wanted look number five or whatever from dolce and look number five was on a very either like a very short person with an extremely, extremely skinny body or an extremely long person, still extremely, extremely skinny. Now, I had a situation recently where I just, I made sure that I had a tailor on the set with me. And from now on, I have tailors, because I'm not a tailor. I'm not going to, I, I just, I'm not. And why that was important was because the pants that I had for this guy, were the right size but the 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 um at the foot we couldn't get his foot literally through the ankle of the pants and i don't know yeah exactly and i don't know enough to understand what the hell to do you know so luckily i had you know I, we had a budget and I figured out how much the tailor was going to cost and they're expensive, but you, you know, this will save you so much because I'm not going to cut through that silk jacquard or whatever the hell it is. Cause I'm not going to be able to put it back together. and I don't even know what I'm doing if I'm cutting through it. So we had the guy try on the clothes. So we had this problem with the ankle. So the tailor took the pants while we were shooting other things and he cut through the seam. And he redid the pants so that my celebrity guy could get his foot through the pants. We also had to take out the back because it was so teeny. And, and we sewed it up and it looked great and, and it was redone and went back to the, to the showroom as it had been so we didn't destroy the item. But there's a big psychological thing that happens when you have real people trying on clothes on mod- that, that models have worn. And you want to make sure that you, that it, it, it's the ego stroking and it's hurtful. It's hurtful and painful when a celebrity can't fit into something. Even if it's a, like a silly thing, like the ankle thing. It's very painful. You know, because the last thing that you want to do is make anybody feel bad about their body, all right? Mm. So, and so how you can alleviate that and just make sure that you get past that is that you have a tailor. And and it's done in record time, you know, because it is for a still photograph and or walking on the red carpet, but then it's tailored to the person that you're dressing. Because sometimes when you get clothes off the rack, at Barney's or Saks or wherever you do your studio service pull or whatever, you either get it in a bigger size or you get it in a smaller size and then the whole thing has to be redone. And that's just the way that it goes. But if you have a tailor, you know, it's worth the money. They are expensive, but at the end of the day, your celebrity will probably a book you again (laughs) and love you because of how you made them feel. But it's very important for, for your life in magazines, for your life as a stylist, for your life as a wardrobe person, for your life as like any of these jobs, personal shopper, that the, that the tailor, uh, you know, the DJ of course, <laughs> but the tailor is, is in your budget. So that's why the budgets are important because it really just it makes the experience greater. Um, then you have to, you know, learn the lingo and just say, oh, you know, this was on a toddler on the runway and I, (laughs) you know, and I got it and, um, and I think I can make it work for you. But, you know, just so you know, the person was like, uh, you know, was a toddler and, uh, you know, so we, uh, so we're going to redo it for you. Um, and we're going to make it work. And then, you know, it's like magical. And, and it works. And I'm joking about the toddler because I don't uh-huh. put children's clothes. But, you know, it's like somebody who's either really small. Yeah, but, you know, real people, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot to expect from actors and actresses that in addition to having to portray these characters, you know, it's a lot to ask them to also be, you know, glamour plates. It's a lot. And... I think it's put upon them sometimes and it's, and it's very damaging sometimes in their, in their minds. So the easier, the the easy way that, you know, if you can make it easier for someone in in this respect and make them happy, it's really important. And that was just, you know, years of doing this and, and figuring out what I can bring to the table as a stylist that nobody told me, you know, nobody told me any of this. We just kind of figured it out and, and it makes the experience just, you know, like a dream.
0: Mm, And I think tailors, honestly are the unsung heroes of our job. They make things magically fit and like, you just don't know how they do it. It's amazing. They can make things bigger, smaller, whatever you need. Yes. I think it's especially important to note that for men, like no negotiation on this. You need a tailor if you're working with men in any capacity, because with women, you can kind of fake the funk, you know, with clips and and all that stuff. But with men, you could tell straight off the bat something doesn't fit.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not just pants. It's like, you know, the jacket has to, it can't be, over their fingers like women you can do it and say oh it's oversized you know but men it can't be you know covering their fingers it has to sit right at the wrist you know there are all of these things that have to happen Armholes under under the arms that's like a it's a it's a big consideration and sometimes you're not going to have the luxury of you know three different sizes or even you know you're just going to have the one item and you're going to have to make it work So, and you have no time, zero time. So it's really, and that's, there's actually a chapter about undergarments, but there's, you know, there's, it's really important to make sure that those things um, really fit. Yes, 100%. So make sure you get you a good tailor and a
0: good DJ. (laughs) the number one set hacks (laughs) thank (laughs) you so much for sharing those amazing tips like this is just i'm taking it all in as well like this is just amazing like every every stylist can take heed to all of this advice that you're dropping today
1: yeah well just you know experience yes and then you can and then you can you know hand that down to somebody else because you know this is never not gonna it's never ending Mhm. Everybody yeah. wanting wanting to be glamorous and whatever, that's never going to end.
0: Yeah, and speaking of experience, um in regards to the men's thing, that's why I always stress and we always stress interning and assisting someone who's done it before because you're not going to know that if you just pop up on set one day with a male client. Like that's something right. that you have had to experience previously to know what to
1: expect. That, it, that's 100% true. Mm-hmm. Also, sometimes the people that you work with don't know what they're doing. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. They don't know how to tape. They don't know how to clamp. They don't know how to sew. They don't know how to do things. So it would be oh, well. good. Yeah, they don't. And I mean, I even had an, an, a circumstance where I couldn't figure something out. And
0: I mean, we just kind of clamped it. But, you know,
1: I mean, I have to go get like a little 411 uh, brush up. Thing on pinning because I, I need to figure out something about single breasted jackets. So, I, this mm. is like a new thing. And uh, sometimes you're on a shoot where nobody knows anything, and then you're expected to be the one that knows. Right. So, and then, you know, hopefully you'll know. <laughs> so that someone like me could just say, Can you do it, please? I don't know what I'm doing. Uh,
0: anything clothing related, like remotely, they look at you because you're the
1: stylist i know but sometimes you know sometimes it's like not working and yeah. uh yeah you got to figure out a way to make it work but that's why again like taking these classes it's like dancers you know like dancers take class all the time right mm-hmm. just because yeah. they're not in whatever they're yeah. constant, always learning new things and it's like you always have to learn new tricks yeah always have you always take a class or two on something like that and then you got to videotape it, and then you turn it into your own channel.
0: <laughs> there we go. And OTT you go. is be perfect OTT, for that. OTT,
1: yes. OTT, here comes.
0: <laughs> See, I'm helping you with you know, getting that plug in.
1: <laughs> you are helping me to extremes that you don't even uh, know. <laughs> you don't even know. And hopefully you will find out. So...
0: Well, it is my pleasure and honor again to be, you know, speaking with you and hearing all your amazing advice. You said thirty, twenty 20 or 30 years. Right?
1: It's it's pretty much 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. Oh my God. And you just blessed yeah, me ma- with all this advice. <laughs> hey, can you imagine being in one, it, it one-ish job for 30 years? Oh. Um, but if it's fashion, <laughs> yeah, bring it.
0: <laughs> I know. I think about that sometimes too because, you know, I feel like, you know, millennials, as, you know, they call us, we don't stay in one job for, like, our entire
1: lives. Like,
0: we are nope. known for jumping around and, you know, doing things. Right. Yep. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, because the older people were, were in jobs as lifers, you know, and, <laughs> you know, but I, but there's something to be said about moving around, you know? It's just, it it, it just keeps you fresh, I don't know. Yeah. It just keeps you fresh.
0: Yeah, and I just feel like, you know, We're living in the best time. Like you said, everything is accessible with one click on your phone. So, you know, there's no excuse to not do what you love. Boom! there you go. Those are all (laughs) gems. Is that good? (laughs) More than good. Thank you so, so much. I mean, Oh my God. Thank you. You just provided so much value and sharing your insights and advice. And I just had so much fun chatting with you Still kind of freaking out because, like I said, your book changed my life. And I can't Aww. remember you talking right
1: now. Oh, I love but, that. You know, that makes me feel like, you know, it makes me feel so good. And it also makes me feel that what we, you know, putting that book out was really important. It, it sure was. Um,
0: I don't know if you guys, if I mentioned earlier, but I majored in fashion design. And mm-hmm. um, during my junior year, I believe... I came across your book and I honestly didn't even know what a stylist did. Right. But from the job and reading that book just changed the trajectory of my life because then I said, okay, this is what I want to do. So thank Mm. you. Thank you a million times. Thank you. Yes. And make sure you guys keep an eye out for Sasha's app. I will be leaving information in the episode um, episode description and if you enjoyed listening today please subscribe leave a review and be sure to tune into our next episode we'll catch you guys next time